Confluence Radio is a production of Confluence, a community-supported nonprofit that connects people to the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River system. Find us at confluenceproject.org. And so um, that's a major change from what it was uh, to what it is today. And so it's hard for for me, uh, my age, to think about what it would have the struggles that they went through. Because for me, uh, now that um, memorial is so filled with fun and laughter and and um, good times, right? Hello and welcome to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. I'm Colin Fogarty, Executive Director of Confluence. For several years now, we've been gathering oral history interviews on an event known as the Red Heart Memorial. It's an annual commemoration in Vancouver, Washington, of something that happened in 1877. That's when the U.S. Cavalry waged a brutal war against the Nez Perce tribe in the place we now call Idaho. Chief Red Heart and his band were not involved in that war. Even so, the U.S. Army took him prisoner, along with the men, women, and children under his protection. They were held at Fort Vancouver along the Columbia River. Their treatment was so harsh that a very young boy died. Now, this story might have remained hidden and forgotten, but in 1998, Nez Perce leaders came back to Vancouver for a memorial that included singing, speeches, a drum circle, and recognition from U.S. military veterans. This gathering is hosted by the Nez Perce Tribe in cooperation with the City of Vancouver and the National Park Service. It has happened every year since 1998, with one exception during the COVID pandemic. Over the years, the Red Heart Memorial has evolved and deepened. In today's program, we're going to hear from three Nez Perce Tribal members, Jeffrey Scott, Clendon Allen, and Danae Wilson. You'll hear them talk about the healing and happiness this memorial brings, despite the tragedy it commemorates. My name is Jeffrey Scott. I'm the son of Wilford Scott and the late Bessie Green Scott. My next person's name is Colt Colt Simuktuluin. It translates into Raven playing in the pseudo fire. This name was given to my father by his grandmother and my father gave it to me. My Indian name is Raven, playing in a pseudo fire. Um, I'm married with children and grandchildren. I still have my father. I first started going to memorials out of respect to the people in my family that had been participants in the war. I grew up uh, a military dependent. My father was in the service all the first 14 years of my life, so military was kind of ingrained in me. The daily life, I seen how a soldier would walk down and stop and salute the flag before he could even pass it. I would go to the movies and Everybody would stand up, put their hand on their heart before the movie would start.
Allen II. And uh, I live in uh, Peshastin, Washington. And uh, I'm Nespers. And um, my dad, uh, my dad's name is uh, Kenneth John Allen. And my mother is Magdalene Johnson, maiden name. She's Magdalene Allen. And uh, my dad was Cayuse, and my mom was Colville. And I'm originally from Lapway. I grew up in Lapway, Idaho, and lived there most of my life. And uh, my Titoka Timki is Oimitatats, uh, means many moons. Uh, it's a man that was uh, part of the Nespurses leaving the going over Lolo Pass. He's buried there, and uh, I took on my dad, uh, dad's uncle, and my dad's dad gave me that name, Oimi Tatats, and uh, I tried to live up to that name. Because just a little bit about it. Uh, when they were in Joseph, Oregon, that's what it's known now. It was to us, it was known as uh, Nespers people. New Numipu is. Uh, we used to call it the homeland. That's what we used to call it. Because Walal, Walawa. And uh, he was over in Idaho side hunting. And he got chased by the cavalry. And they were chasing him. And they shot his horse from underneath him. And he started running, <clears throat> and he ran up a tree, climbed a tree way, way up to the, almost to the top, and the cavalry seen him, and they were trying to figure out how to get him out of the tree, and so one of them says, oh, let's just shoot him. So they shot at him. They don't know how many times, but they shot at him. And they were, they were waiting for him to fall out of the tree, but he never did. He didn't. He stayed up there even though he was shot. Don't know how many times. And soldiers got tired of waiting for him. And so the soldiers left, and 
Oemitatats made it back to over in the Wallawa area. He was shot and he didn't know how long he was going to live or if he was going to make it or not, but he ended up surviving. And that's, that's how they figured him out is many wounds at Oemitatats because he had so many bullet holes in him. And, you know, I try to live up to that name in different ways in my life. My name is Danae Wilson. Uh, my mother is the late Geneva Green. Uh, Towner and um, she, her mother was Lucy McFarland. Uh, Lucy, my grandma Lucy was married uh, twice. Her first husband passed away. He was Red Heart. So the, my mother's oldest siblings are, are Red Hearts, Jesse Red Heart, uh, Catherine Red Heart, um, Tom Red Heart. My mother's the youngest child. Um, my grandma's second husband was Green and um, and they had three children. My mom is the youngest of the next set of, of children. So it was extremely important for my mother to be involved because those are her siblings. Those are her, that's her family. And so while my mom is a green and not a red heart, I'm a green and not a red heart, they are my family. And I um, think of them no differently uh, than I do my own sisters than my own my own brothers, and so uh, so for us, there's no difference between uh, them and us uh, because we were raised that way. You, uh, my mother used to say, "Either you are or you're not. There's no middle ground. There's no half. There's no part. We're the same. We're we're the same blood." So, um, so for for us, it was extremely important for my mom to uh, be there, and we were very proud to take her. Listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. Today's program is about a memorial dedicated to what happened to the Red Heart Band of Nez Perce tribal members. Next, Clendon Allen, Danae Wilson, and Jeffrey Scott talk about their experiences at that memorial, held every year in Vancouver, Washington. I started going there. Um, I think was, might have been probably about 10 years now, maybe. I mean, I always wanted to go to because I always heard about it. And uh, I got to witness, you know, when all the relatives were there when I was there. And, you know, hearing each one of them speak about, you know, you know, what happened. And, you know, I, I wanted to help out in some way. And the elders, you just being here, you know, it helps because you're helping us. And, 
you know, like, because I'm a drummer, and so, like, you know, I sing for the family when they're there. You know, I try to do much as I can what I'm asked to do. And, you know, I was asked one time that, you know, to help, you know, I needed to step up, they were trying to say, and do more. And so I became more and more involved in, you know, uh, with talking about their family and their history and, you know, uh, when they have their little giveaway, helping thing, helping them hand out things or, you know, who to recognize or, you know, even myself, you know, I was honored to receive something from the elders of the family, Red Heart family. And, you know, it's always a, it's always a blessing because it helps them feel better and it, you know, like I was mentioning it, uh, we were, we were all family and <laughs> it was always good to see them smile at the end of the ceremony, you know, and be recognized and, you know, and hearing other people talk about them, you know, that really helps them out too. And, you know, I help out with the drumming part, some of the ceremony songs that are appropriate for certain times of the ceremony. You know, I sing for them for that. As I've been drumming for quite a while myself and they know it because their dad taught me, Jesse Redheart. And some of the other elders taught me some of those songs too. And, you know, their family used to be, a lot of them used to be the elders, but now it kind of, their family kind of dwindled down. Now the kids are stepping up to fill those spots of the elders that are gone to keep the lineage going and the acknowledgement of their uncles and aunts, grandmas and grandpas. Some of them are drummers. Some of them are bee workers. Some of them are horse riders. Some of them are like storytellers. And so they, they have all the gifts, you know, that was handed down to them from their elders and their mom and dads. And which is good because it keeps, keeps the spirit alive for them, Red Heart family. And, you know, I'm glad to hear those, those stories and 
the time of when they arrived and what happened to the Red Heart family? Well, you know, um, you know, it's been like I mentioned about change of stepping up. You know, I hope this event keeps going on. There's an interest of that day of friendship and gathering just for that day. I hope, you know, when it keeps going and the teaching keeps going about the Red Heart Memorial, the horses and riderless horses, the meaning of that, what it represents for that family. The little chair and the blanket that is presented to a little boy or a little girl. I hope that keeps going on. We got to bring more of the family members into that too you know, be part of that history and don't let it die off. Because it's, uh, it shouldn't be forgotten. You know, you got to take time to put other things aside. and They call it a history, but you know, to me, it is about life of what happened. So it's always good to hear it still going on today, even though it was way back in 1800s, you know. It's still good to hear it. It's not, they're not forgotten. It's, they're still here. And here's Danae Wilson. Uh, nest persons who live in Oregon and in Washington who are far from home, they can come there and, and enjoy uh, conversations and time with relatives. And so for, for me, um, it's a reunion. Going back to, to um, the Red Heart Memorial, uh, it's a reunion of our people and it brings uh, many of us together who we don't normally see all the time and uh, and it it's warming to to be able to sit down and have a conversation and a cup of coffee with with uh, family and friends who um, you, there's an excitement a build up to being we know they're going to be there when we know we're going to see them and we know we'll have a time to visit and so uh, that that's really what uh, Red Heart meant for us. Now we'll hear from Jeffrey Scott. I went there one time, uh, probably 20 years ago or so. Okay. They needed a, yes, they were having horses for that. And so I, I went over there for that. And while I was there, 
they had the, the horses, so I had to be on the, I rode with the horses. But then after that ceremony was done, they were still talking. And so I, I was on my horse, I went to the other, across the road to, across the yard there, they got the old fort yeah. with the palisade walls up and yeah. the gun towers. Yeah. So I rode across there and I'm just, I'm just playing. They're now, we're done with this Red Heart thing. Everybody's over there visiting, yeah. uh, coffee and donuts and stuff. And, so I just, I'm over there, I've got my regalia on, so I've got the horse and I'm, rah, I'm just playing, charging, the, charging that fort. You're listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. Next, Jeffrey Scott talks about his powerful experience at a separate memorial at the Whitebird Battle and how memorials like these help people become stronger. The Whitebird Battlefield in Idaho is where the first battle of the 1877 war happened. I went by myself. Both of my grandfathers participated in that battle. Both sides of my blood fought the soldiers. A big hole. One of my grandfathers had to care for his wife and child. They were both shot. I knew this story before I went there, but experiencing the Whitebird Memorial, I brought my whole family to let them stand on the land and see where all these things had really happened because they have heard this story from me many times as I have told it many times to other people with my children there so they know but like me, they have never been there. And when we went there, we cried. To stand in there and listen to all the people talk about how sad and how broken and how we were defeated. And that was the beginning of the end for us. I looked at it differently. I looked at it as a way of that right there made us stronger because my grandmother did not give up. My grandfather did not give up the way they were attacked. They did not even hate after that. They came back here and they lived. They're buried at Clearwater. They're buried down there. They came back here because they were of this land. And this is why I go now. I went farther than that to the other memorials. It, it helped clean me. It helped heal me. But it also made me more strong. It makes us, I don't know how to say it, but it, it, it keeps us being a people maybe. If you lose your history, who are you and where are you going to go if you don't know who you are or where you come from? I know my history. I know the, the power our people had and that power has not gone away. It keeps us strong this day. Today, we talk of the memorials and the battles and sitting here in a chair and 
on the carpet, comfortable. But this is just one experience in the life of the next person. Even this is going to change one day. And we will still be here. And that is a good thing. So today you're competing with so many things, uh, social media, so many fast moving things uh, that keep your attention away from some of those uh, slower times, right? So I, I do think uh, definitely there's an opportunity for, for us to teach our younger generations. Um, I'm a grandmother, my son is 31, um, my granddaughter is 10. And it's really important. So when she thinks uh, about Red Heart Memorial, it's different for her now, uh, because when you ask her about it, she's 10. Um, so when you ask her about it, she thinks of, oh, we get to go to Portland and we're going to go to the zoo and we're going to stay at that hotel on the pier and we're going to, it's a big deal. But, but for my mom's generation and for the generations before them, it was coming to terms with the pain and it was coming to terms with, with, uh, you know, hurt and heartache. And, uh, and so you can see um, third generation away from the internment there, it's it no longer holds that um, we're no longer bound to that sorrow. We see it now more as a gathering for uh, friendship and for, for uh, reconnecting. So there's a difference today than there was for me and my generation, my son and my granddaughter, um, it, it holds a different, meaning to us now. Yes, that is still there. Yes, that's why we go there. And that's why it's important to us because we were interned there. But it doesn't mean um, that that has to stay sorrowful. We can turn that pain and hurt into something beautiful. And I think this first people have done that very well. Uh, th things that have not adapted as fast or will never adapt um, to new technology. Um, these stories are really important to share. And because we are an oral uh, community and we learn orally, it's really important that uh, families take time to, to have somebody in their uh, lineage that, that has that story or has that knowledge and can take it from one generation to the next so that there is meaning long-term. Like I have no doubt that, that um, my granddaughter will be able to teach her children and they'll be able to teach their children how important this place is to us and what it meant and how we will be able to um, continue making friendships and ties uh, all, all throughout our next generations because it's that important to us to still go and to still teach and to still participate. listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. Thank you to Nez Perce tribal members Jeffrey Scott, Clendon Allen, and Danae Wilson for sharing their thoughts and their stories. 
Thank you for listening to Confluence, Indigenous Voices of the Columbia River. To find out more about Confluence, our five completed sites, and our educational programs, check out our website, confluenceproject.org. And remember, Confluence is a community-supported nonprofit with the mission to connect people with the history, living cultures, and ecology of the Columbia River system through Indigenous Voices. We can only do this work because of the generous support from the Friends of Confluence. That's you. Join us today at confluenceproject.org.